and his courts with praise. You won't have to tell people you've been with Jesus. You want to know why? They will notice the change. Friend, that's the word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 declares, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I believe the secret's out. God's doing great things on this parcel of ground. Amen. I'm going to serve notice on the enemy today. Praise the Lord. If God's in it, you can't stop it. I said, if God's in it, you can't stop it. Somebody need to be convicted of that. If God's in it, you can't stop it. I need to tell somebody today, if God is the center of your marriage, if God is the center of your life, if God is on the throne of your heart, the devil can't stop you. He may try to block you, but he can't stop you. Because the word of God has already declared that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. He said to the church at Rome, in Romans, Glory to God, 831, if I'm for you, who can be against you? Somebody ought to raise both hands, amen? Now listen, if you ain't had your slugfest with the enemy, you just prepare yourself, the time will come. But he's already a defeated foe. He lost the keys to his own house. Amen. I want to preach to you this morning. From a passage of scripture recorded in the gospel according to St. Matthew, I want to use one verse. One verse. If you'll stand as we acknowledge the Lord's word together. I want to use one verse. You remember on last Sunday, we talked about the eternal destiny of mankind. Am I right? That refresh anybody's memory? We talked about the eternal destiny of mankind. There are only two. There are only two. That is heaven or the lake of fire which burns forever. We talked about some treasures that are in heaven. One of those treasures, the book of life, in whose name, amen, are the redeemed of God, those who have been saved by trusting Jesus by grace through faith. And I believe you came here today in your heart with an expectancy, amen, to visit with the master. Touch your neighbor. It's all right. Touch your neighbor. He's in the building. He's in the building. And that same power is present among us. This passage of scripture in Matthew chapter number 25, Jesus himself, these words are written in red in your Bibles. Signifying there the words of Christ. But he is contrasting in this discourse of scripture. He's contrasting the destination of the righteous and the wicked. In your leisure, I want to encourage you to read the balance of the chapter. But I want to preach one verse in your hearing today. And that's verse number 46. Verse 46. And Jesus states, and these will go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into eternal life. The fate of the wicked, the fate of the righteous. These will go away 
into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its reality. We thank you for its existence. And we thank you that it is forever settled in heaven. Add your anointing today upon your ministered word as it touches the hearts of all who are present in this service. All those who are viewing by way of social media. All those who are listening on the grounds of this property. Save the lost today, Lord Jesus. Touch them in such a way that they feel your unmistakable, undeniable love. Lord, we don't have to be in the walls of an establishment cry out to you for salvation but your word said whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved help our hearers listeners receive this today in Jesus name amen and amen you might be seated in the Lord's presence wow what, a, what, a, what, a, what an awesome presence of God that has met us in this place today. As we spoke last week referencing heaven, the eternal destiny of the righteous, we only find it appropriate that we relay this message, that the lake of fire, often referenced as hell, is the final destination of all who are lost without Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. By all accounts, the Bible speaks of hell as both a horrible and terrifying place. There exist in our current world numerous views when one speaks on this subject. But it is again the Bible, God's everlasting word, that admonishes us to avoid this place, according to Matthew 25 and 41, that is prepared for the devil and his angels. I have often said, if it's such a horrible place, why are people in such a rush to get there? I've never understood that with my limited human reasoning. But if hell is such a horrible and terrifying place as the Bible speaks, why are people dying daily to get there? The Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2 that it's a place of shame and everlasting contempt. This is the word of God, saints. There are no pleasantries 
in that place called hell. Jesus speaks to the effect in Mark chapter 9 verses 44 through 48 of this place called hell. Jesus said it's a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. He said if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. For it's better for you to enter lane rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. For it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Are you with me, saints of God? These are the words of Jesus Christ. So even Jesus himself speaks of this place as both horrible and terrifying. We need to understand that the word of God tells us in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. It tells us that Satan the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. There are no timeouts in hell. There are no first, second quarters, half time, third and fourth quarter, and end of game. I want us to know that hell itself is a reality. And hell is eternal. You may ask the question then, Pastor, why does such a place exist that the scriptures reference as hell? Another question commonly asked is why is hell necessary? Well, since we understand that God is an infinite and eternal being, then it is only an infinite and eternal penalty that is sufficient for those who reject and rebel against God. So saints, the punishment of the wicked is a never-ending story. That's what I want to title today's message, The Never-Ending Story. And this is the starting rea startling reality is that as awful a place as hell is, the punishment of the wicked there is as never-ending as the great joy of the righteous in heaven. So as the saints of God whose names are recorded in the Lamb's book of life will know the eternal bliss of heaven itself, then the wicked will know the severe torment and punishment of a place called hell. Am I right? Is this not the Bible? Are we not afforded this reality throughout the entirety of the scriptures? From the Old Testament throughout the New, hell is a place of torment. It's a place of punishment. It lasts eternally with no end. But thank God today, through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen, and his gift of salvation, we can escape the eternal fate of damnation in a place called hell throughout eternity. Somebody ought to give God a praise because we have avoided such a dreadful place. We need to understand something today that hell itself is the just punishment for sin. The just punishment for sin. 
You may ask me today, Pastor, what would a great definition of the word just be? A definition of the word just would be consistent, virtuous, innocent, and right. Can I bless you today as the people of God to tell you that God's moral compass is guided by His truth, His reason, His justice, and His fairness. Oh my. Hallelujah. Let's listen what the psalmist says in Psalm 18 and 30. This is what the Bible tells us about God. As for God, His way is perfect. And the word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in Him. We need to know that, amen, God Himself is the standard. He is the example of what is good, what is right, and what is moral. Because God is completely righteous and He is morally perfect, always doing what is right. There are no flaws in His character or His attributes. Brother Larry Lowry said at Pembroke Assembly, He's God right by Himself. Amen, and he don't need any other. So one of the most popular questions that we are confronted with in Christian circles is this. How can a loving God send people to hell? Oh my, how can a loving God send people to hell? Well, I want to tell you one thing. Uh, people going to hell is not a loving act on the part of God. Can I tell you that? And if the Bible tells us that God is love, then uh, expelling someone to the eternal damnation of hell is not something that God cherishes or something that God longs to do. But we have to understand as the people of God that there has to be a punishment for sin. Hallelujah. We have to pay for the rebellion and rejection of God and Jesus Christ, His Son. This is the truth, my friend. 1 John 4 and 8 tells us very simply that, amen, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Underline that in your Bible, for God is love. And if God is love, everything he does is an expression of his love. You see, the common fallacy or the misconception that we embrace sometimes is that God is so full of love that he would never send anybody to hell. It is not God who sends people to hell. It's the Acts of individuals who have chosen to openly rebel and reject God that causes them to experience that terrible place called hell. Are you with me, saints of God? Oh, my, my, my. It's like when somebody, I, I noticed another fallacy in the context of that. It's like, it's like when, when, when somebody uh, revolves around the word or looks very deeply into the word sin. You know what sin means? It means it's an action only on the part of the sender. So God is not condemning us to hell. We are condemning ourselves. Can I preach while I'm here? Amen. It's my sermon. I believe I will. But it's not God who releases or sends anybody to hell. Sister, it's our own actions. It's the deeds that we perform in the flesh against the will of God, against glory to God, a righteousness. It's a, a, an act of wickedness and evil and sin of a part which God can have no part with. God and sin can't cohabitate together. 
That's why when the enemy rose up and said, Brother Marty, I will excel myself. I will, I will sit on the throne of I'll sit on the throne of the Most High God. Brother Harold, he was in essence trying to say, I'm God's equal or even better than God. Somebody in this room needs to understand that God ain't never had an equal and God ain't never had a rival. And no man or no army or no nation or no kingdom will ever be able to stand against the righteous creator of heaven and earth. I need you to know, amen. Uh, he's greater than Muhammad Ali. He's greater than Floyd Mayweather. He's greater than Mike Tyson. Somebody ought to lift your hands, amen, and notice one thing with me. He's the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of the world. That's the God I serve. He has no equal. How dare any man, amen, to consider himself a rival with God. God just let Satan go on his little tirade. Satan had his little say while God just laid back and let him have his fill. And then when he finished, God said, now I'm going to show you who's got the power and the authority to execute what I'm about to say. Numbers 23, 19 said, God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. For what he has said, he will bring it to pass. And the Bible said he cast Satan out of heaven. John the Revelator said, I saw him fall. Isn't that what he said? He said, I saw him fall and a third of heaven's host with him. This is the man who had no eyes that they tried to boil in hot oil. But he saw this in a sky-sized three-dimensional vision oh, of the end times of the age. John said, I saw him when he was cast out of heaven. And the Bible tells us that he is a formidable foe. The Bible tells us that he has limited power. The Bible said he is even able to transform himself into an angel of light. Whether you realize it or not, the devil ain't his name. That's what we call him. His name is Lucifer. And if you don't know it, let me bring you up to speed. The name Lucifer deals with the word luciferous, which means illuminous. So don't be deceived by the enemy. For the Bible says he'll, he'll transform himself into an angel of light. My, 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 my. So many people have fallen a victim to Satan's schemes and devices. All because they are not versed in the scriptures. All because they do not understand what the word of God is trying to say. And more importantly, people are falling by the wayside every day that we live right now because we have chosen to openly rebel and reject God. It's going to get tight before we leave here. So you might better pull your straps. Amen. If you ain't got a five-point harness right now, it'd be a good time to get one because it's going to get bumpy before we close this service. People don't want to hear about their eternal destiny if they're lost without God. People don't want you to tell them, I ain't going, I'm, not, I'm not going to hell, God loves me. Don't you tell me, don't you tell me. You can't even tell people that they're not in service to God if they're not a Christian. You say to individuals, you either serving God or serving the devil. They're immediate rebuttal. I ain't serving the devil. The Bible said they but two masters, thank God. Amen, we're either serving God or we're serving the devil. Amen, it's tight, but it's right. We might not like it, amen. My pastor used to say, amen, if you don't like fish, amen, just eat the fish and spit out the bones but it's the truth of the matter today my friend there are only two eternal destinies of humanity only two heaven or hell 
and both are everlasting. Oh my, there needs to be a correct re rewording of that question. Rewording of what question? How can a loving God send someone to hell? There needs to be a, a corrected, reworded edition of that question. Amen. And it should read like this. If God is love, then why do some people go to hell? Huh? Wouldn't that be even better? Let's look at Romans chapter number 1, verses 18 through 20. Let's, let, let's peek into Paul's writings. Paul says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Underline this. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness? Underline that in your Bible. You're going to come back to it. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Help me, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Since the creation of the world. Has not God given humanity time? Since the creation of the world. Oh my, that word, that word suppress means men restrain, men conceal, men stifle the truth. That's why they want to promote the ideology that if God is such a loving God, then why would he send me to hell? Amen. God ain't sending nobody to hell. It's our own actions against God. It's our evil deeds. It's our sin. It's our amen, unrighteousness and wicked. Amen. It's sending us to hell. Not God. Not God. Paul says then we are without excuse. We don't have an excuse. Oh my. We have been given enough truth to both know and surrender to God. But we refuse. Are you with me? There have been have many a person who has left the church service where the power of God's convicting Holy Spirit was raining down in that place and they shook it off. Amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The power of God's conviction, amen, was all over them. But for some reason or another, they said in themselves, oh, I don't have time right now for God. I'll wait to a more appropriate season in my life. But let me tell you what the Bible says. Amen. Today is the day of salvation. For tomorrow is not promised. Amen. If you get up and walk out of a Holy Ghost charged service where his conviction power has rested upon your heart, you can meet your eternal destiny before you ever get to the highway. That's right. 
I told of an episode where a young man died in a church in the year of 2013 just before our daughter was born in a singing service. McDonald Church of God outside of Fairmont. It was sleeting rain and amen that house was full of people and God's power fell during a singing. People came to the altar amen began to cry out to the Lord and I had a distant cousin whose husband wandered to the altar and amen brother Jerry he said to me preacher I don't know if you knew that I had been sick but I've been sick and I desire your prayers. Thank God for the prompting of the Holy Ghost. I could have said, okay, Mr. Locklear, we're just going to pray for you. But Jesus said, ask him, amen, does he know me in the pardon and forgiveness of sin? Ask him, am I the Savior of his life? Does he stand ready to meet his eternal destiny? I said, Mr. Locklear, do you know Jesus as your Lord? He dropped his head between the locks of his shoulders. He paused for a brief few seconds and then he raised his head to say no sir I don't know Jesus as my Lord I said wouldn't you like to amen he said I believe I would I said let's pray together and we begin to pray the power of God moved upon him he confessed Jesus as Lord of his life and less than 10 minutes he had slipped out of here amen into heaven you better hear me in this place today you don't know where death is waiting lurking in the shadows John 10 and 10 said the devil comes but to kill to steal and to destroy Jesus said but I am come that they might have life and have that life more abundantly we don't know where our appointment with death is we don't know we could wonder you're into your office and look like we're in perfect health have a heart murmur and, lie, and die right there in front of you we could and you know what we chance that fate all the time. We do. Amen. Not concerned about where we'll spend eternity. I want to tell you about a man called Thomas Nagel. Thomas Nagel is a known atheist. He's an American philosopher. And Thomas Nagel said this. It isn't just that I don't believe in God. And naturally hope that I am right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. Let me tell you what Paul said. We don't have any excuse. He says, since creation, God has made it known. Holy Ghost, help me. Amen. Through nature itself, God has made himself known. Somebody say, well, I, it, it kind of seems to me like God's been trying to keep himself as a secret. No, 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 no. I want you to know that he's revealed himself through his writers. He's revealed himself through his word. And Paul implies that God has taken this initiative to reveal his truths to all, therefore rendering the whole of humanity as we stand in the hands of a righteous God as without excuse. Let me tell you what justice does. Justice requires adequate payment for crimes that we've committed and only just punishment is eternal separation from God. Preacher, I'm just going to die and that's it. I'm sad to tell you that the word of the living God reports to me that everyone who ever lived are going to be reunited with their soul and they're going to stand holy before God. Are you with me, saints of God?
Have you not read in John's revelation when he said, I saw the sea when it gave up its dead? Are you following me? There have been millions upon millions, Brother Jonathan, that whose life has expired since what we know as time exists. But all of us, minus no one, is going to stand before the God of heaven and earth. And we're going to be judged. That's right. That's the book, Brother Michael. I'm not trying to frighten anybody in this room. But let me tell you something. They have what they call in the court of law now a plea for judgment. Are you with me? Brother Marty, on the good graces of the judge, uh, I had the kindness of his heart. He might just let you slide. Are you with me? But not God. Not God. Because if God lets you slide, he's going to have to let everybody slide. Oh, my, 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 Lord, can't you be a little lenient on me? Lord, I weren't going, to, but I weren't, I weren't doing that bad, God. Now, come on, now, I, I weren't as bad as this one here. I, weren't, I, I didn't do as bad as that one over there. No, but we're still going to give an account. We're still going to give an account. There are no little lies and big U's when it comes to sin. Ain't none of us got no right to point a finger at nobody. You want to know why I call Romans 3 and 23 said, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm talking about from the pulpit to the back door, somebody. Somebody ought to lift your hand and glorify him in this place. I ain't never claimed to be perfect and won't be till I'm in heaven with God. But I'm striving every day. I'm putting forth a concerted effort. I'm straining every fiber of my existence, every ounce of my being to be like Jesus. And the moment you get up and you take your salvation for granted, and you're not trying to be like Jesus. You're already too far gone. Already too far gone. And let me tell you something. God created us as free moral agents. And our choices are limited to what is in keeping with our nature. Are you with me? I said last Sunday, we'll take a shortcut in a minute, won't we, Brother June? Brother June said to me, he said, Brother, I ain't taking no more shortcuts. Amen. I, I, listen, I don't, know, I don't know many people in recent salvation experiences that I've seen that had more joy than that fella. Because I'm trying to tell you, that boy's full of the joy of the Lord. Kendall, Kendall brother, Kendall, glory to God. Them, listen, them boys, <laughs> uh, brother Gerald saying, I'm drinking from the saucer called my cup done overflowed. Are you with me, somebody? I said before, you ain't got to go down to Shackleford sign and rent a billboard, put it on your back. I got saved yesterday. You ain't got to do that. When you walk on your job, they're going to be a glow. You walk on your job, they're going to know like they, like they did about those disciples. Them boys have been with Jesus. Ah, there's something different about them. There's something different about that crowd. Hallelujah to God. You won't have to tell it. Amen. Your actions will tell it. Oh, but let me tell you something. We're created as creatures of free moral agency. And amen, we, 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 we approach things differently. Now, now, we might be walking along this path and we see a bridge. And one of us might decide, well, well I'm across it. That's, that's just your nature. But one of us might say, I ain't crossing that bridge. I'm going to fly over it. I'm just saying. We got some daredevils in the human race. Y'all feel me? You don't believe we daredevils? We'll run right through a sign that said bridge out ahead. You don't believe it? We will knock a road sign in the side ditch that says road closed.
I don't believe it. I got to see this for myself. You know what that is? That's a manifestation of our character. That reveals who we are. Now, when I was young, 10-foot canal was nothing to me. I said, I ain't walking down through that rascal. I'm going over it. But I'm 50-something years old now. I said, 50-something. <laughs> and guess what? I can't jump as high. And I can't run as fast. I used to pick at my nephew Eli and say, you can't outrun me. I can't tell that now. But you know something? I ain't got to run. Y'all going to get that in a minute. So I ain't got to run. Because I don't have anything to be afraid of. Y'all follow me? David said, David said, I will not fear what man can do to me. For the Lord is on my side. We're nature different as people. You understand our perception level and how we receive things is on different levels. Is this safe for me to, to preach like this? Wouldn't it be a boring world if all of us was alike? So don't you thank God that we're different? His fingerprints on every one of our lives, but we're different. Am I right? So, Brother Arbus, the reality of the matter is this. Our choices are limited to what is in keeping with our nature. The qualities that are distinct to us as individuals. You go ahead and walk over the bridge. John Boy going to fly over it. John Boy said, hmm. I'm listening, John. But let me tell you something that the Bible does. The Bible makes it clear that not only... Do we have the ability to choose? We have the responsibility to choose wisely. Did you get that? Not only do we have the ability to choose, we have the responsibility to choose wisely. Responsibility, Brother Manny, brings with it the word accountability. Follow me? Man, people don't want to be accountable. In the world in which we live. Am I right? People don't want to submit to authority. That's reading the churches on every corner. It's the truth. Get mad with leadership. Say, that's all right. God done told me go build another church. Go ahead, but God ain't in it. Come on, I said, if you're ashamed. I said, the Lord's not in it. The Bible said, how can two walk together except they be agreed? I've heard Christians say, well, I love you, brother, but we're going to agree to disagree. No, it ain't that. It's not about that. It's about what thus saith the word of Almighty God. That's what it's about. The Bible's black and white and red. Am I preaching to anybody? Black and white in the words of Jesus and red. It's that simple. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away. People tell me all the time, I know what the Bible says, but that ain't what it meant. Really? Well, enlighten me. If that's what it said, but if that's not. Come on, don't get God twisted with some of your crazy uh, people who live in the world today now with some twisted psychology. Don't get God mixed up with that crowd. God said exactly what he meant. He meant exactly what he said. Oh, you missed a good place to shout. Let me tell you something. 
Free will does not mitigate our accountability. You hear me? Free will does not reduce. Free will does not dilute our accountability. You've heard it. This is the Bible Belt. I've heard it since I've had a memory. When them young'uns reach the age of accountability, there's no such thing as the age of accountability. My grandson Zane's not two years old, but he knows when he's done wrong. And for some odd reason or another in this sphere of the world where we live right now, I don't know if any other, I don't know if any other people on the planet understand this, but young'uns know what the word, uh, they know what it means. My, my, my grandbabies love remotes. You might come to the house and all of them got duct tape on the back. Because they throw them everywhere. My wife said the numbers don't have I said, yeah, they about to fall apart. But they understand that word. So how in the world are we going to place on them that label of when they know the age of accountability? Somebody want to take that when Jesus was in the temple ministering to the doctors and the lawyers at the age of 12 and they want to tell you, well, if you're 12 and don't know Jesus, boy, you're at the age of accountability. Who come up with that hogwash? It is not the truth. It is not Bible. The Bible said it's a sin, Brother Greg, when one knows to do right and doeth it not. That's when it's a sin. So you don't have to be 12 to be at no age of accountability. Oh, my. And we cannot reduce or dilute our accountability as individuals. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost works both in and through our wills to regenerate us as individuals. Some of you say you didn't define the word will. The will of God is the plan of God. It's the intent of God. It's the purpose of God for your life. That's what God's will is. Okay? Oh, my. We, we read earlier in, in the writing of Matthew where the Bible says if, if something offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Better to go into heaven disfigured than to not go at all. Anybody hear me? Oh, my. Look at your neighbor say, cut it off. You know, you, you know, you know what Paul said to the Hebrews? He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And since we have this great crowd of witnesses, let us run this race with patience. Isn't that what he said? That's his word. There are people watching our lives. They're observing us. And if we proclaim to be in right relationship with God, then our lifestyle ought to match it. Oh, my if there are places we shouldn't be as a professing Christian, then we shouldn't be there. If there are things we're doing as a confessing Christian, we shouldn't be doing them. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. This is book. This is Bible. This is Bible. And what is it? It's a deterrent to our witness. It will destroy our credibility among the lost population. Because the first thing lost people will say is if they go into heaven, I'm going. Have you not heard it? That baby is amen in the word and she can't even hardly talk. Son, she got serious too. It is the truth whether we say amen or oh me. 
Oh, my. Look at your neighbor and say, cut it off. Cut it off. Sever it from your being. If it is a deterrent to your witness. Now listen, after anybody would read Genesis 19 and 24. Let's read Genesis 19 24, honey. And the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. You, you know what ought to happen when any person reads that? When any person reads that, it ought to instantly transport us into the context of God's judgment. Anybody know what kind of cities those places were? Exceedingly wicked in the sight of God. Amen. The Bible said that, Brother Eric, that Lot and Abraham, they just excelled and they prospered and they were so blessed that they couldn't live together anymore. Because their possessions were so vast. And the Bible said Abraham went to his nephew and he said, Lot, he said, you choose. You choose. And the Bible said, Sister Son Yasha, that Lot looked towards Sodom. And he noticed that it was well watered. So Brother Marty, you know what he said? Hey, I'm going to go this way. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you give people the opportunity to choose, they're going to be a good person if they don't do what favors them. They're going to be a good one if they want you to be blessed more than they are. But I can tell you there's one place in the dead heat of summer where the grass is always greener. And that's on the cover of a septic tank. Or the drain lines. Can I get one witness? Amen. Don't be like those cows sticking their neck through a barbed wire fence to get grass on the outside when it's as green as a gourd under their feet. Oh, my. I lost some of y'all in that melee. But the very mention of fire and brimstone. Oh, my. That's a symbol that strikes fear in the hearts of everyone who reads it. Because it's one of the most destructive forces in nature. Am I right? But let me tell you something. When Jesus was speaking in the Gospels, he was referencing a place called Gehenna. Gehenna derives from the Hebrew phrase, the Valley of Hinnom. And this is a place outside the city of Jerusalem. Let's look at Jeremiah 32 and 35. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I did not command them, nor did it come into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Anybody know when this was? It was under, this was under the leadership of both Ahaz and Manasseh, two of the most wicked kings to ever serve the people of God. They made their own children pass through the fires in sacrifice to the Phoenician god Molech in this very valley, the valley of Hinnom. 
And in Jesus' time, it was referenced as a refuge heap outside the city of Jerusalem. Well, what happened there? Well, dead bodies and bodies of criminals were discarded there. Jesus, let me tell you something. When Jesus is speaking about this place, Jesus is speaking, Brother Manny, of the city dump of all eternity. When Jesus is speaking of a place called hell, he's making it clear that it won't be the smoldering ashes of something that townspeople walk by on their exit from the city. It won't be temporary, but it will be eternal. And it already exists. This is what Jesus was making clear. We don't want to embrace that reality, friend, but it is the truth. I said we would come back to this by another author, Mark 9, 43. Look at this powerful image that illustrates the seriousness of hell. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. Isn't that a startling reality? That Jesus would relay the seriousness of hell itself. I want to tell you today as the people of God assembled here at Harvest Church. Sin and unrighteousness cannot go unpunished. Sin must be punished to satisfy God's holy justice. We establish this reality. God is eternal. And since God is eternal... He operates outside the realm of space and time. And since God is eternal, the punishment for sin must be eternal in order to satisfy God's holy justice. God's holy, perfect, and infinite character is offended when we sin. Am I right? Am I right? Do you know that it still hurts God when we sin? It still pains the Lord when we choose to sin. I told you you might want to tighten the harness. It's getting ready to get bumpy now. I'm trying to bring this service to a close because the Spirit of God is calling humanity to repentance. He's calling humanity to repent. To repent means to turn from sin. And to dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life. That means the revision, the alteration, or the change of one's life. That's what repent means. You know what else, you know what else repent means? To totally abandon sin. That's what repent means. The word sin is used 786 times in the NIV translation of the Bible. It also is referenced as to miss the mark. Are you with me, saints of God? Look at what the Word of God tells us in Acts chapter 17, verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. Because in ages past, knowledge was limited. Until in the process of time God made it known. Or he manifested himself to us. We now no longer have an excuse or cloak for sin. 
Let me tell you something. Missing the mark not only references us doing something against God. It references us doing something against other people. This is the word, y'all. This is the Bible. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know what all means? All means excluding none. There are no exemptions. There are no special classes of people who are exempt from sin. Because you are a certain pedigree does not exempt you from sin. All have sinned except one. And that was Jesus Christ, the Lord. You ever heard the term a trespasser? The Bible references the term trespasser. It's another word that describes someone who participates in activities that they shouldn't. How about the term transgressor? You ever heard the term transgressor? It refers to presumptuous sin. What? Presumptuous sin? Yes, that sin where we choose intentionally to disobey God. Who chose willfully to disobey God? Really? How about Samson? Did Samson choose willfully to disobey God? Yes, he did. Well, Samson was not the Nazarite vow pronounced over his life when he was born. Did not his parents dedicate him to the service of God? Anybody know what the Nazarite vow was? He couldn't partake of anything from the vine. He couldn't touch a dead carcass. And he couldn't cut his hair. That's the Nazarite vow. Are you with me? But let's look what happened in the book of Judges, chapter number 14, verses 8 and 9. After some time when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them. And they also ate. But he did not tell them he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Did he willfully choose to disobey? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. How about Judges 16, 17? This is talking about Delilah. He said he told her all his heart. And he said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me. And I shall become weak and be like any other man. He chose intentionally to sin. Y'all know what happened to Samson? The Philistines came upon him. They plucked his eyes out. And in Dagon's arena, they made fun of him. 
the strong man of God. But let me tell you what happens when you get a haircut. It grows back. I said it grows back. Brother Ernie, one day when the hierarchy of the Philistines were gathered in that arena to make fun of Samson, he remembered God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And the Bible said he grabbed hold of the pillars, the, that porch where they were sitting, the colonnades that supported that massive structure. And you know what he said, Brother Marty? Oh, God of heaven, hear me one more time that I might avenge myself at the hands of these Philistines for my two eyes and the the Spirit of God moved down in that arena and fell on Samson. He began to pull and down came the Philistine leadership. And the scriptures tell us that he killed more people at his death than he did in his life. Somebody said, but preacher, didn't he commit suicide? Did you hear his prayer? When he prayed, did he know he was going to die? No. He didn't know he was going to die. But he asked God for the strength to avenge himself for his two eyes at the hands of the Philistines. You say, well, what made him different than Judah? He repented. He repented. He was sorry for what he did. He was sorry. Judah was just sorry. Judas was sorry he got caught. That's the difference. So the scriptures help us understand that Samson was a type of Christ and that in his death he impacted more people than he did in his life. Somebody missed a good place, amen, to give God praise, amen? Because that's what happened. That's what happened. A trespasser, he, just, he, 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 he participates in activities that he shouldn't. He sees the line that says, no trespassers allowed. He's going to walk on the other property anyway. That's right. A transgressor is one who chooses intentionally to disobey God. Does it get worse? Oh, it gets worse. Because when we break the law, when we tell a lie, when we have a blatant disregard for authority, we are transgressing. Amen, somebody. Paul said, if I rebuild again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. That's the word, Brother Jody. That's the word of the Lord. Does it get worse? Yeah. How about the word iniquity? The word iniquity refers to premeditated choice. When something's premeditated, what does that mean? It means it's thought out. It means it's planned beforehand. Who was one of the, who was one of the greatest premeditated choice people in the Bible? David. David David's sin was such that it was premeditated what, 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 what do you mean didn't he plan the killing of Uriah 
the husband of Bathsheba? He did. He planned this killing trying to hide his own sin. But how many know God was looking? God was looking. Let's look at Micah chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Micah 2 and 1. Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil on their beds. And at morning light they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. Iniquity. Does it get worse than transgression? Oh yeah, iniquity. Yeah. Planned out sin. And I want to say to us today as the people of God that unrepentant sin. Unrepentant sin. Iniquity that is left unchecked leads us to a state of willful sin where we exercise no fear of God. Stand with me all over this auditorium. If you're lost without Jesus, you're the reason He came. He came to save you. Amen. And we will not be sent to hell by God, but our own actions, our own actions, the deeds we perform in our own flesh will be those things that send us into an eternal separation from God. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. This is a Psalm of David. And I believe that David understood the depth of his sin when he wrote this Psalm. Because he wrote, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. I believe that when David was crying out to God in Psalm chapter 51 that he understood the depth of his sin. He understood the effect of his actions upon not only himself but other people. Have you ever witnessed individuals and they tell you they're hurting nobody but themselves? Anybody ever? You ever witnessed anybody, Sister Gail, and they said, well, leave me alone. What I'm doing don't, 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 don't affect nobody but me. I have. But you know what that is? That is not the truth. Our sins affect others. They have a ripple effect. Like a stone skipped across the water. So don't let the devil fool you into believing that what you do only affects you. It affects others as well. David expresses himself the heart of one whom the Lord's power and ability to forgive has touched. All oh, for that today we ought to praise him. Hallelujah. Have you trusted God for salvation here today do you know that your name is recorded in the book of life as I want to say to us today in this room salvation is not received by reciting a prayer 
Salvation is not received by certain words. But according to our message on last Sunday, salvation is received through faith and the grace of God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over this auditorium. Thank God I found out that after, after I left here on Sunday, I, I remembered four people who came to Jesus. And then I, I, I get to work this week and I see uh, a post that says Sister Leanne's son, amen, gave his heart to God in the service on last Sunday morning as well. So there were five. There were five who confessed Jesus. Yeah, we ought to praise the Lord. Amen. And there are more to come because the word of the Lord is being ministered in their presence. Our eternal destiny awaits us when we receive Jesus as the Lord of our life. I want to pray for you. My wife is coming. The ushers are already in place. Amen. So I want to ask you, which road will you take? Which road will you take today? Will you choose the narrow way that leads to life eternal? Or have you chosen to enter in the broad gate that leads to destruction? This is what Jesus spoke about. So today we need to make wise decisions because in them lie the destiny of our lives. I love you. Want to trust God for your salvation. I'm praying for you, Father in heaven. Today there are many who are listening. There are many who have sat patiently in this service today as your word was proclaimed. And we know in our hearts today, Lord Jesus, that you came to save all that which was lost. And we plead with you today, Father, for the salvation of souls, Lord, who are separate from you who right now are walking outside of your will. It's your will that said, Lord, that we would prosper and be in good health as our soul does prosper. So I ask you right now that you would release your power to bring them to salvation, that they would be convicted of sin and wrong, fall from the ranks of sin, cry out to you, what must I do to be saved? Touch, Lord God, those who are viewing at home those who are listening on the property today go with these individuals as they retreat and go to various destinations grant them travel mercies Lord watch over them God and give them Father God the faith and presence of mind to call upon you as their personal Lord and Savior thank you for the recent convert, converts Lord thank you for those who have recently accepted you as the Lord of their life our prayers continue Lord, to strengthen them. We love you and ask all things today in the name above every name, the name of Jesus. God's church said amen and amen.